Welcome to NSN Daily. Chris Murray, Shannon Kelly. I'm Brian Samudio, Anthony Resnick, uh, running the show behind the scenes. Plenty to talk about today. Reno Rodeo, we've got some updates on that. George Combs, uh, the general manager, is going to join us on the show. We're going to talk a little uh, spring basketball. Wolfpack uh, men are going through their four weeks of spring ball. Uh, Chris and I just jumped out of a press conference with uh, Coach Alford. Some interesting tidbits on uh, some of the guys that he has has coming in and uh, uh, Team USA ski team is at Squaw Valley and Shannon Kelly got a chance to go out over the weekend and, uh, and enjoy uh, some of that and in, uh, in what was supposed to be a bigger winter storm I didn't really hit us down here on the valley floor much at all but uh, uh, that'll be interesting to talk about too but also Shannon you had a busy weekend spring football their second scrimmage of the year uh, let's get your take on uh, just give me some of the sights and sounds since not many people can go in and check this out uh, what were you seeing? So yeah, second uh, scrimmage I was able to attend this year. You know, it's been weird not being out at all of the practices, just kind of the way things are this year, but being able to take a look and get out there on Saturday and, you know, from week over week, these guys, they're just, they're bigger, faster, and stronger. And I saw that the first time that I was out there and I wouldn't expect anything less after going through their eight weeks of grit program during winter training. But uh, yeah, Nate Cox really, you know, out there with the ones, but a lot of the guys just mixing up, you know, some guys are with the ones, some with the twos. So you kind of just see a lot of everything, but I've really liked what he's been able to do. And then also the defense, what they've been able to do. Um, some of the new transfers that are coming in, Bentley Sanders has really stood out to me, his aggressiveness out there and Miles Hayes, you know, talking to him afterwards. And he said, you know, I'm, I have to fight for a job here just because I'm a transfer and coming in here, I have to fight for a position just because I'm older. That doesn't mean anything. So I've really liked what I've seen out there. I think we're going to see an interesting spring game on Saturday, just because, you know, all of the starters that we saw in the fall aren't out there due to some injuries. Of course, that's a game that you're going to be able to see live right here on Nevada Sportsnet at noon. We will have a, a pre spring game show for you at 11 AM here on Nevada Sportsnet, an entire hour of, what we've gathered and collected for you during uh, spring football. Uh, Chris, it's funny to hear Shan here say bigger, faster, stronger. That's what you kind of see when you haven't uh, seen an athlete for maybe six months or something like that. Suddenly out of nowhere, a Sam Hammond turns into a Paul Bunyan and you really get to see what that eight weeks of grit and this work in the weight room with nutrition, with diet, you really get to see a, a physical development in these young players. The goal is to get better every time you hit the field and certainly every season. Like if you want to point out Sam Ammon, I mean, he came at 210 pounds now up to about 270. That doesn't happen in eight weeks of grit. That happens with dedication over now entering his sixth season. So, uh, you know, Nevada has a super veteran team. You look at this defense, it's probably going to have 10 of its 11 uh, starters be seniors. Like that's a really rare thing. Um, you know, I've kind of been breaking down the Mountain West and it just seems like there's a ton of talent in this conference this year. I think a lot of it's because all these seniors came back. Um, so it's very exciting for Nevada to have all this experience and to have bigger, faster, stronger athletes because they are so much more veteran. But, uh, you know, every other team is going to have that as well. San Jose State's going to have that. Boise State's going to have that. Wyoming looks really good on paper air force um so th there are a lot of really talented players and teams in this conference because of that super senior kind of system that is being put in place this year uh and you look at nevada's offense really senior laden as well so yeah they should be firing on all cylinders because of that experience together because now they're entering the fifth season under jane orville's system and everybody should be completely knowledgeable about what they're doing when we get to the spring game i'm really interested to see how this defense plays i mean i think that's the area that needs to take the biggest step forward for nevada to go out there and win a mountain west championship and they are going to be going against nate cox 
who is a talented player, but he's not Carson Strong out there. So um, I think if you're the defense, you would expect to go out and dominate um, because you do have a veteran team, like I said, and you are going against the second string quarterback, you know, whether Nate Cox is running the ones or not this year, uh, you know, he's not going to be under center when the the season starts for Nevada. So, um, you know, a lot to look forward to with this spring game. But for me, I'm keeping my eyeball on that defense and see if it is ready to make that leap uh, to put Nevada in the class of winning a championship. Shannon, we've had to really live vicariously through you and social media and, and all different platforms because of the restrictions when it comes to COVID. Uh, what is it like? Are you starting to feel a bit of a normalcy at all, maybe coming back to it a little bit? I did see some pictures on Twitter. We saw Mike Edwards, our good friend, who's a color man for John Ramey, uh, Nevada football alum. He was over in the corner. You got that, that northwest corner where it's the alumni barbecue pit, and they were Grilling up tricep, which looked fantastic. I could just smell football, a day game in football. Uh, do you feel a little bit of a that we're kind of starting to get back to that at all? Yeah, I think so a little bit. I mean, this was the first time I was able to do in-person interviews at Nevada in, in more than a year. So I think that in itself was a step towards normalcy. And yeah, the barbecue out there with the Nevada football alums, uh, yeah, they had a great great spread. It smelled like it at least, but yeah, I mean, and just talking to the guys after and they said, you know, things, we feel like we're getting back into this. We have a spring ball this year, something that they didn't have last year that they really cherish those weeks out there because that's an opportunity for them to prove themselves come the fall. Because once fall camp comes, you can't just sit there and then prove yourself then with only a couple weeks until your first game, this is really the time that they have to show what they can do. And I think with some of the starters who aren't really participating in spring ball this year, this gives a chance for the other guys to step in and show what they can do because, you know, you, anyone can practice. You can go out there and do all these reps, but until you get into more scrimmage and game like situations, that's when it really counts. So I think, you know, while the starters, most of a lot of them, you know, who are injured and sideline, not seeing that time right now. Um, Carson Strong, Elijah Cooks, you know, Cole Turner wasn't in pads. A couple of those guys just on the offense, but then to see what they can, the other starters can do. I think it's going to be big come Saturday to see what what these guys can show. Chris, I believe you got a mailbag question this week uh, asking about uh, capacity at Mackey Stadium and. You, know, you usually have the answers for pretty much everything. I don't know. We can't answer that right now. Well, for this upcoming game on Saturday, it's going to be 1,800 fans roughly. You do have to go online and reserve your ticket. So if you want to go to the game, you can. Um, you know, they'll probably be taking temperatures. It's $5, which is free, but that's all going to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. So I I don't think they're going to have more than 1800 people out there. So if you want to go in person, uh, you don't have to be fully vaccinated or anything like that. That is an option in terms of Mackey stadium for the start of the regular season. I mean, Doug Newt said on our show that he's anticipating a full stadium this year. They're planning that. And, you know, they're going to be listening to whatever the local uh, ordinances say and whatever the university ordinances say. But if you do want to go out there and experience uh, an actual football game in person, um, you know, just go to NevadaWolfpack.com. You can get a ticket. Uh, It's on the West and the East side. So no ends of, you will be in a specific seat um, because they're trying to block people off, but also you can watch it on our channel as well. So yeah, it'll just be nice to go out there and and see some football and, uh, you know, get an opportunity to see how much these guys have improved. And, you know, it's not the full picture of where they're going to be when the season starts. Um, But as Shannon mentioned, I mean, you get a time to prove yourself more so in scrimmages than practice. Can can coaches count on you uh, when you're actually playing in games? And this will have kind of a game-like atmosphere. And it'll actually have, funnily enough, there'll be more people at this game than any game Nevada played at home last year. So I I think the players will probably enjoy having some people cheer for them after playing in Mackey Stadium with 250 fans or less all of the 2020 season. Uh, it's still no tailgating, correct? 
No, no tailgating. So yeah, just show up and, uh, you know, I, they are going to have some concessions open. That is the plan. So you can get some food out there. But um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't plan your whole day around, you know, I'm going to tailgate for four hours and then head out to the game. Yeah. Uh, 11 a.m. is going to be our pregame show right here on Nevada Sportsnet on Saturday, May 1st. You can catch the spring game at noon also right here on NSN. Uh, Alex Margulies, John Ramey, and um, Mike Edwards will be on the call for that one as we try and uh, bring you a little spring football for the very first time in program history live here in uh, Northern Nevada. Shannon, I appreciate the insight. Uh, we'll bring you back here in a little bit to talk a little uh, USA team, USA skiing up at Squaw. How about that? Sounds great to me. It was a blast. All right. We'll be right back here on NSN Daily with some news about the Reno Rodeo. We'll have their general manager join us after the break. Welcome back to NSN Daily. You know, it is one of the trademark events here in Northern Nevada. I mean, we pride ourselves on being, uh, the, I mean, it's the rodeo state, the state of Nevada and the Reno Rodeo. Um, I mean, only one other time did we lose it. And that was so long ago. George Combs joining us from, uh, from uh, the rodeo grounds, the general manager of the Reno Rodeo. George, how are you, man? It's great just to see you guys. You know, it's really exciting to kind of kind of see faces again and and start seeing things open up and, and be it's exciting. It's just uh, after a year of this pandemic, it's it's really great feeling to uh, be able to move forward. You guys announced this week that uh, you are expecting full capacity and going to be able to really open things up. I mean, when I saw that email, I was surprised because. It's good news. I, we haven't had good news in like 55 weeks, man. I mean, it's it's really cool when, when you were able to go, all right, you know, we're going to be able to do this and welcome back. You know, I mean, so many people don't realize that you bring in over 100,000 people go see the Reno Rodeo every single year. I mean, I would imagine for you, it was just thrilling. Well, it, really exciting. And we've really worked really hard uh, to get to this point and you know and we got to be really safe and we want to make everybody have a great experience and that's what Reno Rodeo is all about is the experience it's not not just about the event it's a, it's about the the community and everything else and so we've really taken into consideration and, and make everything and safe and healthy and and we want it to be we want it to be very good kickoff because this is the start of the event season in Reno and and there's a lot of events that are they're right behind the rodeo, and they, we want them to be uh, uh, to continue and uh, get this thing open back up. What's just the response been from the athletes who have participated in this event before, knowing that you guys are committed to coming back, and then now you know going at 100 percent as well. Well, you know the the rodeo athletes that, that are coming. Uh, I had the opportunity this last weekend to go over to Red Bluff, California, and you know California has been shut down very strict the whole time um and, and they had their rodeo in red bluff celebrated 100 years of rodeo and they, and they had record crowds um they got they got some provision that was given to them to let them let them go ahead and have their event but from the professional cowboy standpoint i don't know how many over the weekend while i was there said oh we're so happy to get to come back to reno we're coming to reno we're excited um it's been all very, very positive from the athletes. Uh, and it's a big money deal for the athletes uh, here. And, and we're not shortcutting any, anything that we've ever done with Reno Rodeo. You know, if we can't go 100%, um, you know, we needed, to, we needed to know that. And the governor's office and the county commissioners and everybody we work with, uh, and, and of course the, the cities also, 
um, we've got very, very good response and, and they helped us get to the point where we're at today. Uh, George, when it comes to actually opening this up, what hoops are you going to have to jump through? I mean, the rodeo grounds have been a vaccination location. Uh, what, what are you going to have to do to actually get to this point? Because, you know, I, I think a lot of us kind of go, all right, there's going to be allowed fans in, in the stands, but what do you have to do? I mean, you go to a Giants game, now I have to show them. Uh, that I'm vaccinated, I've got to show this, I've got to show that. Do you know at this time what you're going to have to do? Yeah, you know, it changes daily. It changes by the hour, okay? Right. So so I can't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we're going to do this and this and this, and because because when we get to June, we're we're 57 days away. And so it, it, a, lot, a lot of things can change. Uh, you know, the governor came out yesterday and, and uh, wrote a new, new directive and opened up things even more. So... Things are changing as we go. We, we have put a plan, we put a plan in place and, and that plan is to be changed as we go forward. And we're gonna do everything that we have to do and probably more to make things safe for, for the fans and, and everybody that's here. As it comes to the vaccines, uh, the vaccine uh, uh, was gonna move uh, in May anyway, um, from the east side of the facility to the west side of the facility because of, of access for a lot of the other events. There's other events that are coming here that need the use of that, the parking and stuff. And so they were going to, they were going to move and, and change their location. But what we're doing is, is we're going to, um, they're going to move again for the, um, we're going to re not move again, but they're going to readjust how they use the facility during the rodeo, um, we're working with the health department as we speak, and 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 we're we're working on on some um, ideas and changes and how to use Sutro Street, not Sutro, excuse me, Wells Avenue. Um, you know, we turn that into a one-way going north or southbound, and then we use it for street parking during the rodeo. The health department's going to change their vaccine. We feel that by June, it's possible that the vaccine numbers are going to be, you know, we're almost at 50% now. Um, 40 some percent people have been vaccinated. Nobody knows what the number is and how many people is going to get vaccinated. Um, but with all that, with all that in play, like I said, it changes by the hour. But uh, the the health department is working on on getting their new location ready uh, uh, right now. And we'll move, they'll move to that new location, like I said, in the middle of May. And then again, the first of June, we'll, we'll re, redesign um, and we're working on that uh, meeting daily and working on that plan to how we can co cohabitate here. Originally, they were gonna move offsite, but now they feel that they're gonna stay here and we're just gonna work with them. And, and uh, it's, all about, it's all about partnerships with the rodeo and, and uh, you know, we'll work with anybody at any time and, and want to work and help them and, and make it make it successful for both. I know you said things are just still ever changing by the hour, but do you foresee there being the carnival rides, the food vendors, the Jack Daniels tent, the Coors Light tent, everything like there has been at the rodeo in the past? I think we already answered that a minute ago when we said we're 100%. That everything's, is 100%. Everything's open. Okay. Uh, matter of fact, you're going to be you're going to be hearing here very shortly the announcement uh, uh, we're having a concert on Wednesday night so the concert will will be happening with uh, cable and uh, so that'll be Wednesday night all our events with the rodeo uh, from the carnival to the food court 
um, we're, we've been given the the 100% green light. Um, the mask mandate, we will, we you know, if we have to all wear masks, you know, that's going to be one of the things that we're going to have to do. And you know, and we want people to take responsibility for themselves. And 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 when they come, if they if they don't feel like they want to be safe, you know, don't come if you're not not don't feel like you're gonna be safe or if you're you're sick, we did definitely stay away. But um, we feel that uh, that everybody and we've had no negative, no absolutely zero negative responses from anybody. It's all been a very positive. Um, all spring, it's been very positive that, you know, you got to go, you got to have, we got to have the Reno rodeo. So it was very, very hard last year, not having the rodeo and, and, uh, having to shut it down and, and at the last minute and, and, uh, it, you know, and we need, we need to heal this community and we need to get back to some kind of new normal. George, one last thing before we let you go, anybody who hasn't been to the Reno rodeo, I've been to, dozens of rodeos from the NFR to the Folsom rodeo to whatever um, around the country. Uh, what is so special about Reno? I mean, it's just something where the Cowboys and the Cowgirls, they love coming here. It's got the wildest, richest rodeo in the West for a reason. What if, if somebody goes, I've never been to a rodeo. Uh, what, what do you tell them and try and encourage them to come? Well, it's, it's not just, it's just the, the rodeo is part of it, but it's the whole experience the opportunity to come out here and the shopping that's available with the vendors. And, and then we have stuff going on every day, all, you know, all, all days uh, there's ropings going on. There's drill team competition. We have our kids day. Um, we have the, the BFI, which is the, you know, the most notorious team roping uh, on Monday, uh, the most anticipated Monday in the ropers world. And, you know, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, team roping and, and uh, all women's roping on Thursday. So there's many things for people to come out and do. And, and then the rodeo at night, we, you know, there's 650 professional rodeos in the United States and Canada and the PRCA. We rank number five. We're the fifth largest rodeo. We are the wildest, richest rodeo in the West. And this year is really exciting because we have a new partnership uh, with the Cowboy Channel and RFD TV, Rural Media Network. And they're, they're a national sponsor with the Professional Cowboy Association. They, they did the NFR this last year. We have a new partnership with them, which gives us the opportunity to raise our, even raise our purse money even higher. Um, our, we're going to be over $750,000 payout wow. for these Cowboys. The top, the top 15 guys in the world that you see at the NFR, every one of those will be competing right here in Reno through the, throughout the 10 days. Yeah, if anybody doesn't know about it, I mean, this this rodeo is legit. It ranks right up there as one of the Super Bowls of rodeo. I still remember myself as a very young journalist getting to meet Ty Murray and interviewing him behind the behind the buck and shoots. Could not have been a, big, a better gentleman to me. Um, we What we need to do is we need to find – over the last few years, we've had a member of our staff named Julian Delgadio, who's a great young man. He's not – he's more of a city slicker. Uh, and we put him on the mechanical bill – Shannon's tougher than Julian will ever be. I got to put Shannon on a real bull. I mean, I'm sure we could do that. Now, now, now don't open the chute. But, but, but I, the toughest women we have, uh, people we have at NSN are our women. But uh, I can't wait to see you be able to give out those silver spurs. I mean, you want to talk about something that's so unique. If, if you go to a rodeo and you win, traditionally the trophy you get is a really nice buckle. You put your name on it, whatever. It's from whatever Oakdale or wherever it is. But Reno, you get silver spurs, and it's something something that, that's different. George, 
Appreciate your time, man. And uh, we can't wait to get back out to the arena. Brian, and we welcome you. And you, you, uh, I might know somebody that can make the bull deal happen. Hey. Um, just let me know. Just let me know and we'll see what we can do. Um, but uh, also, the, you know, one thing about the Reno Rodeo is the tradition and the history. The tradition, there's so much passion in this town, but there, I have a thousand volunteers that help put this rodeo on and every one of them is so passionate. And uh, the past presidents, I have 30 past presidents, they're very active in the association and it, it makes my job very easy and it's exciting to, to continue. And, and, you know, and we have people like Tom Cates that uh, is one of our past presidents. And he said to, to send a shout out to you today because you knew Tom. And yes. he actually told me some stories this morning, but I won't share those on, on the air with you today. But he said, what happens on a cattle drive stays on the cattle drive. There you go. And the cattle drive is a full go-to, by the way. Awesome. And the exciting thing is one of the new things that we're bringing this year is a, the we're having a two-day horse sale at the end of the rodeo. 75 top horses. It, it's going to be, it's called Diamonds in the Desert Horse Sales. And uh, they have 75 horses that are cataloged for this horse sale. And it's the best, most strategic horses of, that they've ever seen. And so it's going to be really exciting to have that horse sale. So people need to come out and see that too. It'll be great. Shannon, I'll have to pick you up a horse. You got a spare room there at the apartment? Yeah, yeah. I have spare room for a horse. I'll maybe ride. I don't know about the real bull, but the mechanical bull, I can go for that. I can fill in Julian's tradition and get on the mechanical bull. I'll do that for one of my live shots this year. <laughs> we're going to hold her to that. <laughs> we're going to hold her to that. Uh, Reno Rodeo will be back in Northern Nevada uh, as planned. Uh, George, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Shannon. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. We'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. This Wolfpack Update is brought to you by Renown Health. It is Monday. That means we do our Wolfpack recap of the weekend uh, brought to you by Renown. Uh, Nevada baseball and softball with a chance to uh, gain some ground in the Mountain West Conference, both taking on conference foes. Uh, Nevada baseball takes two or three at Air Force. Uh, Chris, the guys were flexing their muscles on Sunday. Yeah, it was a good series for them. I mean, as we mentioned, they got to start winning these series, if not sweeping them. Um, they do have San Diego State coming in here pretty soon, and they're only two back in the loss column against the Aztecs, and they're five back in the win column. So they've got some ground to make up, but it's really uh, nobody between them and San Diego State at this point. So, I mean, a huge series win. They had lost the series against the Falcons at home, and um, they're certainly playing better baseball now than they were in the first month of the season. Uh, you know, the bats, uh, when you go up to Colorado Springs, you're probably going to score a ton of runs, but, you know, whenever you hit five home runs in a game, you got to feel good about yourself. So, uh, you know, things seem to be coming into place for Nevada, but they, they've got some ground to make up over the last couple of weeks here. How about Tyler Bassetti uh, leading things off with a home run at the first pitch of the game on Sunday out of the ballpark? That's a good way to start a game. Uh, yeah, Tyler's a really solid player. Uh, you know, Kirsten Moran did a story on our website kind of with his backstory and how much he's put into the game. Um, he was actually a sophomore in his JV team, and he didn't get pulled up to the uh, varsity, and a couple of his friends did, and he was, like, literally in tears about it. And his dad said, you know, you want to get to that level, you got to go out there and work hard, and, you know, you'll get there. And from that moment forward, he determined that he wanted to be a baseball player. Both of his uncles were baseball players. One of them made it into the big leagues for almost a decade. And Tyler's put into work to have this kind of success. So it's really nice to see him become one of the better shortstops in the Mountain West and really be a catalyst on this Wolfpack offense. Nevada baseball will uh, take on the San Diego State Aztecs, a three-game series of double dip 
on Friday starting at one o'clock and then a single game on Saturday, May 1st. So after the spring game, cruise on over and uh, they're not really allowing fans inside, but you can you can uh, hang out and listen to that uh, baseball game on uh, CBS Sports Radio 94.1 FM uh, against the Aztecs. Uh, softball had a chance over the weekend to uh, to gain some ground on the bully of the Mountain West Conference, and that's Fresno State. And the ladies had a tough time of it. Got swept down in the Central Valley. There's a reason this team in Fresno is 14 and one in conference play. And, uh, you know, Nevada, like you said, had a chance to go out there and make a statement. And the statement was that Fresno state is still the team to beat and the best team in this conference. Uh, Nevada did not score a run over the three games. They were shut out six, zero, three, zero, and two, zero. So some magnificent, uh, magnificent pitching by the Bulldogs. I actually thought Nevada's uh, pitching was, was pretty strong. I mean, they kept the Wolfpack in the game. It's just, you know, they couldn't get much going with their bats. They did have seven hits in each of the first two games, only two hits in the last game. So they had some opportunities. They got some traffic on the bases and just couldn't cash it in. So that's probably the end of the Nevada's Mountain West championship hopes. Uh, you know, they're at, sitting at 11 and seven and Fresno State's 14 and one. So it'd have to be an epic collapse from Fresno State for Nevada to get into that mix. I actually don't know if they're doing kind of the second tier postseason tournaments in softball this year. It looked like the NCAA tournament's probably out of reach now. Maybe if they'd taken two out of three against Fresno, they could add some at-large aspirations uh, with that win over Washington, which is still a top 10 team earlier this season. But yeah, biggest stage of the year and, and Nevada just couldn't couldn't squeeze enough runs across. So you got to give credit to Fresno State for going out there and proving why they are the best team in the Mountain West. Nevada softball with three games against Cal Baptist, doubleheader on Friday, single game Saturday, and then uh, they come back home for three against UNLV, doubleheader May 8th, and then a Sunday single game against uh, the Rebels at the Hickson Softball Complex. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, how about a little men's basketball update? So we're talking about a uh, walk-on player from the Bay Area who's going to join Nevada and what Coach Alford said this morning about Trey Wade and how much he likes what he's going to bring to the program. That's next. You know, uh, it's funny, we're talking football all season long. We talk basketball all season long when it comes to Nevada. Uh, Chris, you and I sat in with Coach Alford in his press conference this morning. They are uh, finishing up week three, in week three of four weeks of their spring workouts. And uh, he uh, he's excited. You could tell he's excited about what he's been seeing, trying to get basic fundamentals going this week, get his guys in the weight room for uh, four hours a week and then four hours on the court, I believe is, is how it's a lot. It's crucial time for them. I mean, Steve Alford and Craig Neal are all about player development. That's what they bank on. They feel like they do as good a job as anybody in the nation getting players better year over year. And they didn't have that last year. I mean, there was no offseason program really because of COVID-19. So for them to have this four week session, then over the summer, they'll have an eight week session and then they'll start, uh, you know, kind of training camp after that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of gains to be made by these players. Nevada has a ton of potential, but they have to go out there and uh, you know, get better individually and as a team. I mean, the expectations are super high for this team. I think anything short of an NCAA tournament uh, would be, uh, you know, probably deemed a failure by most uh, fans out there. I think, uh, you know, a Mountain West championship, certainly something that the fans want, potentially a top 25 if everything breaks right. So uh, there's going to be a lot more pressure on Nevada this season entering the year. And, uh, you know, so it's just been nice that they've been able to have a pretty normal off season and try and, you know, develop their players through whatever kind of plans they have for each individual guy. They kind of come up with, you know, plans for each player and they, you know, whether it's in the weight room or on the court that they want to improve with their ball handling or their shooting or this and that, um, you know, the, these guys and coach Alford and coach Neal are very good at what they do and making players better. Uh, you brought up the idea or the fact that uh, Joe Lenardi has Nevada in the bracketology. A lot of coaches don't like to talk about it. I think for some coaches, that's a farce. I think some of them like to talk about it. They want their team out there. I think Coach Muss would, would like to see his team out there getting eyeballs, people seeing that sort of thing. I think underneath it all, Coach Alford probably feels 
the same way. And he actually said, uh, it's good to be talked about. That was the quote. And uh, he said he doesn't think about it all that much, which is maybe likely, but it is good to be talked about. You want your, your team's name to be in national headlines. Helps in recruiting. I mean, if you're in the NCAA tournament or in the discussion with the national media, um, you know, you can sell that to people. When Nevada went out and got Trey Wade, Trey Wade's not coming here unless he sees Nevada as a potential NCAA tournament team. I mean, he had some offers from, from, from some Power 5 schools. He was coming off a team at Wichita State where he was just in the NCAA tournament. They were in the top 25 the year before that. He wants a similar caliber of team that he's stepping into. And Nevada has that. I mean, they have, when you look up and down the roster, they have all the potential in the world to go out there and do all the things we just mentioned, get to a tournament, win a Mountain West, potentially get into a top 25. And I think uh, Trey will certainly help that. And I think he looks at, you know, the, the roster. He's smart enough. He doesn't need Joe Lenardi to tell him that Nevada's good. But I, I think it's very beneficial whenever you, you know, you can send that out to a recruit. Like, look, we're, you know, preseason top 25 team coming up. Um, you know, we're a preseason NCAA tournament kind of team. I think, you know, players get really excited when they see that. And Coach Alford, you kind of smiled a little bit when he talked about Trey Wade, uh, how, talking about how he really helps fill a need at that position, that kind of stretch position. Uh, I think he had, just on paper, it looks like somebody will fit in nicely. Yeah, he called him a big guard slash power forward. So that, that just shows you can do so many different things. Uh, you know, I think he brings something different to Nevada's front court. Nevada has a lot of length in the front court. Warren Washington, Will Baker, basically seven feet. KJ Heim, 6'10. Uh, DeAndre Henry, uh, Steve Alford said he's very impressed with what he's been able to do so far this spring. But they didn't necessarily have that kind of, you know, pit bull forward who can do a lot of different things who can facilitate uh you know he can find a lot of different positions he can hit a three um, so i think trey can fill so many different voids and i think the one thing that he likes about this team coach alford is just the versatility and you can match up with if you could face a really big team nevada can match up with that if you face a small team and you got to play six six trey way to power forward that's fine they're fine with doing that so i think he just adds a lot of different potential and a lot of options for coach alford when he's looking at his rotation or his starting lineup going into, you know, a game against varying levels of teams and how they like to play. And before we wrap things up on men's basketball, um, late last week, we saw a social media post about uh, a young man from uh, the Bay Area of the name of uh, uh, Odin, Caleb Odin. Uh, he's going to be uh, walking on at Nevada. I know that you've confirmed this. What'd you find out about Caleb? Yeah, I touched base with Caleb and he is going to be walking on. He's a six foot five wing player out of Dublin, California. Now they're not playing their senior season because of COVID. So he hasn't been able to improve upon his stats from last year. And I think a lot of people look at the stats and we're like, why, why is Nevada going after this guy? Because he only averaged 2.9 points and two rebounds per game. So he didn't play a ton. Uh, he was on a very senior laden team and his team was ranked 80th in the nation. So, um, you know, that he had some guys ahead of him that were D one kind of guys, but he, he certainly has a nice frame at six foot five. He's a very athletic player played for the AAU team Lake show, which is a very good AAU team. And, you know, just didn't get the chance to kind of be a star of the show during his senior season. So as you mentioned, he's a walk-on, uh, you know, you need a couple of walk-ons. Nevada lost one to the portal earlier this off season. And then Zach Williams was a graduating senior. So, uh, you know, probably not ever going to start in the, you know, rotation or get huge minutes for the Wolfpack, but he's tall enough and you can dream big enough. If you're Caleb, that I can go to a program and show him what I've got. So, We'll see exactly what role he gets moving forward. But, he, you know, he's certainly a talented player to be able to add. Uh, and, you know, he'll help in practice, which is what uh, the majority of what walk-ons work uh, do come in practice. Took the words out of my mouth. You need guys like this to help your top-end guys get better. Guys that have transferred in and they're in kind of their transition season that he can't play, those are the guys that are going to help your guys that are playing now. You need players like that. Very, very uh, curious to see what uh, what 
Coach Alford and uh, Coach Neal can do uh, because that's what they do is they, they develop guys. But uh, we'll see what happens with that. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, some of the top American skiers were at Squaw Valley over the weekend training. Our own Shannon Kelly had a chance to go up and talk with some of them. She'll rejoin the show after the break. Of course, less than 100 days until the games uh, in Tokyo. And of course, they're taking all the precautions there. So a lot of things up in the air about the summer games. But uh, Shannon, you had a chance to meet some of our top winter athletes, some of the top members of the Team USA uh, doing a little training up at Squaw Valley. Yeah, they were up there at Squaw as part of their spring training. Spring training is almost over for them, but I had the chance to talk with uh, two locals, AJ Hurt and Keely Cashman, who grew up skiing on the slopes at Squaw. And they said, you know, we've been back here a couple times during this training session during the spring, but I mean, such a cool opportunity for them again to train at Squaw where they grew up skiing to be, you know, I asked them, I said, just what's it like, you know, you guys are back here with all of your teammates and, you know, for them to realize that this is where you grew up. And they said, you know, their teammates say this is one of the most beautiful places that they've had a chance to ski before. So the fact that they grew up doing it here and right there in their hometown, um, here's part of my conversation with them about what it means to be back at Squaw. The mountain, the terrain, the people, um, there's a love for skiing here that I haven't found anywhere else in the world. And I've traveled Europe, New Zealand, South America. I've really been everywhere. Um, and the people in squad just love skiing. They're so stoked to be out on the hill. To be able to come back here during the spring and train at home, I mean, it's awesome. My dad's out here coaching on the hill, so he's around when I'm training, which I don't get much anymore because I'm traveling around so much. So to have him there is awesome. And the spring training here is better than, I think, anywhere else in the world right now at this time. It's so great because I feel like we spend so much time in Europe or in Colorado and like some years I never even ski at Squaw in the winter and without spring training we wouldn't ski here at all so it's awesome to be able to come back home. Yeah it's funny to kind of grow up in this area and this just basically this is our backdrop you know Lake Tahoe and the Sierra and all these incredible incredible mountains and ski ranges but uh, yeah that's what this area does Chris is it basically just breeds members of the U.S. ski team I mean whether it's Truckee, South Shore, North Shore, you've got gold medalists all over the place. It's just, when you grow up with that in your backyard, that's, you, you naturally, you're going to breed skiers. It'll be nice to see who the next generation is. I mean, we still got David Wise probably making one more run. Uh, you know, Jamie Anderson, Matty Bowman, an uh, Olympic gold medalist recently retired. So um, who's going to be that next wave that makes Reno Tahoe proud and is competing for gold medals and, uh, you know, on the Olympic ski team? Uh, you know, we have a number who are active right now, but they're kind of getting longer in the tooth. This might be their last cycle. And you're going to have some younger people pushing them for Olympic spots this uh, cycle. And then uh, four years after that, trying to go out and get their own medals. So yeah, it, it's been great to be able to say that we have so many Olympians who come from our area in a large part because of the natural gifts that we have outside with the mountains. But, um, you know, time doesn't stand still for anybody. So, you know, David Wise, Jamie Anderson, this is probably their last crack at it. And, uh, you know, there'll be some new stars coming uh, down the pike over the next couple of years. Oh, and that's it too, because even before this group, there was Julie Mancuso and, and Darren Rawls, Travis Ganong, Marco Sullivan. You had so many before them, and there were ones before them. Uh, Shannon, we were supposed to get a, a big storm this weekend, which kind of turned out to be a dud, as our uh, one of our meteorologists, uh, Steve Bender, his words, called it on social media this morning. Uh, what were the conditions like at Squaw? 
Yeah. So when I was up there, it was pretty warm. You would think it was a spring, almost summer day up there. Um, that was before the dud of a storm, I guess as Steve would say hit, but uh, yeah, it was a warm day, but the mountain was packed on Friday with people, you know, I mean, Squaw is the only ski resort in our area that's still open and they plan to stay open into May. So to see that a lot of people are still going out there and skiing and like these girls said, you know, skiing at Squaw in the spring, the conditions are great and they love it. So um, yeah, it was a, a packed, packed place, but yeah, like how you mentioned before with how our area just breeds players, AJ, she said, you know, anyone who skis at Squaw, they're, they're good everyone is good. You know, it's so competitive from such a young age, really, to think of how young these kids are when they get out on to the slopes and to see where they're at today. And I think, you know, this next generation, as you said, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear their two names more and more. Yeah. I mean, we talked about less than a hundred days until the summer games. That means uh, just over a year in a hundred games days until the winter games. So what's next for this group of skiers? Do you know what what they have to, what hoops they have to jump through next to try and qualify to be on that Olympic ski team. So they said during the summer, a lot of their training is over in Europe. That's where they do a lot of their skiing. So they have a little bit of a break now and then they'll, you know, kick back up with the summer training again. But they said this year, things have been a little bit different just with everything with COVID. Um, typically they'll be over in Europe and then come back, go back over go back over there whereas they were there for the past couple of months and then now wrapping up their spring training. So they'll have a little bit of a break before they kick back up again. See, Chris, now with that, uh, that Reno ice going in down South, we've got to, we've got to start up some curlers up mm -hmm. here in Northern Nevada. I mean, we got to start at Dominic's age. You got to start them young. So what's the, what's the name of the soccer team? The green dragons? Is that what they are? Uh, no, we're the pirates. Uh, no, we took Dom out there. He was not interested. He made it around once and then he sat on the bleachers and waited for us, but we fun. We're going to get some Olympics coming up in a hundred days. And actually the winter Olympics are only nine months away. They all, you know, do their event during the winter. So they're going to be February out there in Japan. So is it, you know, we used to have Olympics on the same year and then they staggered them, which I thought was a good idea, but we're going to get kind of back-to-back -back Olympics here. And that'll be a really cool experience to be able to see, um, you know, you're going to go straight from the summer games to the winter games. So, uh, you know, people like uh, AJ and Keeley, I mean, it's, uh, it's coming up pretty quick if they want to make an Olympic team in this upcoming cycle. Jan, and I appreciate the hard work this weekend covering spring football to uh, Team USA and the U.S. ski team up there at Squaw. I appreciate the hard work. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. And the curling thing, I actually, I really do want to try that. I've been wanting to try it. So one of these days, I'm going to make it over to Reno Ice, and, and we'll do a little exploring our backyard feature on it. That would be fun. I think that'd be fun. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, as we wrap up the show, we're going to get into the Oscars a little bit. Who got snubbed? Who won the big awards? And how many of these movies have we actually seen? We're going to talk with one of our movies, Sufficient Audios. Chris, coming up after the break. You know, Chris, it's always fun to watch the major leagues and see some of these young players get their first major league hits, their first major league at-bats. Uh, DJ Peters, we covered his career at Western Nevada College back when uh, Coach Whittemore was, was taking that team to the JUCO World Series. And, well, I, I will say it, he looks good in no Dodger uniform. He looked good. Six foot six. I'm sure he would look good in any uniform. 
for him. But really cool to see him make his major league debut. So he debuted on Friday and also played on Saturday and Sunday against the Padres. It was a big series for both teams. He came up in a big moment, actually. He was up with the bases loaded in the 10th inning with two outs of yesterday's game. Uh, you know, he could have had a chance to get a walk-off hit, uh, worked the count to 3-2, and then swung at a pitch that was above the zone. He could have had a walk-off walk. But, um, you know, just for him to get to the big leagues after going to WNC is a great story. He's the first big leaguer from WNC, probably going to be the last big leaguer from WNC uh, because uh, the program was shuttered in 2016, and he's the only player left from that program in affiliated ball right now. But uh, 25-year-old, he's, he's got a ton of potential. I mean, he's got a ton of power. Uh, he's very fast. He's a really good center fielder for an outfielder. Um, but it, it's just a lot of swing and miss. And you, you saw that so far. He, he's had five at-bats, uh, four strikeouts in his big league career, but kind of learning on the fly. Dodgers have a lot of injuries right now, and he's getting the chance and probably will get some more at-bats in the coming days. Well, I mean, he's got that strike zone of a, of a storage unit. I mean, it's he's just a, a, an incredibly tall athlete. And to be able to put all that together at that height and to be that good really shows you so much of what he has when it comes to uh, hand-eye coordination. I'm going to spend the last two minutes talking about the Oscars. Uh, we, Julian Delgado claimed to be our uh, Minister of Culture, Chris, and you uh, have taken that title from him. Um, when it came to the Oscars, did you watch the Oscars last night? And No Bad Land winning... The uh, best picture, you pointed out that's the first time in, in decades that a picture shot in Nevada has one best picture. I did not. I was watching the uh, Dodgers-Padres game, uh, so I missed the Oscars. But yeah, first time since 1988 that a movie that was partially filmed in the state of Nevada won best picture for the Oscars. The last movie to do that uh, was Rain Man. Had a couple of scenes down there in Vegas, and obviously Godfather and Godfather 2 back in the 1970s also earned that distinction. I did see Nomadland and I thought it was a solid movie. I thought it was really interesting how they did it because uh, it was basically only a couple of actors and everybody else in the movie were really just nomads living their life and uh, were kind of interwoven into the movie. I don't know that it was necessarily best picture for me. Uh, I think Sound of Metal was the best movie that I saw and that was nominated. Um, I, I did see that Chadwick Boseman did not win best actor, but they held that award for the last award of the, the night, which seems a little weird. Uh, obviously Chadwick passed. And everybody kind of assumed he was going to win. Usually Best Picture is the last movie. But, um, you know, they kind of mixed some things up. And Anthony Hopkins did win uh, Best Actor. And it sounds like he deserved it. I did not see The Father, but it sounded like he did a great job in that movie. Uh, my movie uh, scene over the last COVID year has been very, very shallow. When we go, um, I'll rent the theater out for maybe half a dozen people. And we, everybody throws money in and gets snacks. And we all stay apart. And it's been like the Godzilla movie honestly stuff that's pretty stupid and just kind of let your brain get away from stuff um we got 15 seconds you saw mortal Kombat. what'd you think uh yeah on hbo max i actually enjoyed it quite a bit and then i went back and i watched the trailer for the original mortal Kombat in the 1990s and i kind of want to see that movie because that one looks like a train wreck <laughs> chris always on uh very honest when it comes to our movie reviews i'll do it for us here on nsn daily we'll see you tomorrow